welcome to part 5 of Psychotic September, where I look at the Saigo franchise. And here it is folks, the one I've been waiting for to chew out all month, if not year. The 1998 Shot for Shot remake. Why did they do this? Well, I think Gus Van Sant is an egomaniac as he bugged Universal for years to do this project. Now, see, I'm okay with remakes if they are done right and aren't just done for the sake of doing them. See 1986's The Fly for one done right and 2010's Animal Street for one done completely fucking wrong. I have questions, such as why not wait until 2000 for its 40th anniversary, and then hire Jimmy Lee Curtis to play her mother's iconic role. Instead of casting the It Girl at the time, Mrs. Almost Mrs. Ellen DeGeneres and Hesh, who had never seen Saigo and had no idea who Hitchcock was. See, that's another thing that pissed me off, was uh, the very, very little special features that the DVD had. They showed idiot 20-somethings getting interviewed who not only had never heard of Psycho, but had never heard of Hitchcock. How? Now, see, this is one thing that does really piss me off. Most remakes today are made for the lowest common denominator, the idiot teen or idiot 20-something student. No, 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 do not make it for these because you end up with movies such as Annabelle, which are fucking horrendous and are unwatchable garbage. Just because it has a few jump scares in it does not make a horror movie. No siree. Anyway, moving on. Back in 1998, I was stunned when I heard they were remaking this. And I was pleasantly pleased to hear not only did this bomb, but it was universally panned. I actually rented this back when I first came out on video. Yes, folks, that's a video tape. And from a blockbuster, no less. I watched the first five minutes, stopped the tape, took it back to the store, and rented something else. A Bride of Chucky, I believe. So I have never saw this in its eternity. So with that, it's on with the show. Starring Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Vera Mills. Oh, sorry, wrong notes, folks. Hey. This time, starring Vincent Vaughn. Anne Hesch, Julianne Moore, Viggo Morgerson, and William H. Macy. Directed by Gus Van der Sant. Gus Van Sant, even. The plot. See my 1960 podcast. I know, here we go, the plot for this one. A woman steals $400,000 to run off with her boyfriend to make her make-believe life come true. Unfortunately, she is lost on the roads at night and books into the Bates Motel, where motel owner takes a shine to her setting off his jealous, quote, mother, and she is killed in a shower. So can her sister find out what happened to her, or is she next for Mother's Blade? So, since this is a shot-for-shot remake, I may as well tell you to listen to my Psycho 1960 podcast, but I won't, so listen to me as I tell this one a new one. It opens up pretty much as Hitchcock's with the lined titles, titles, and then the famous helicopter shot that unfortunately Hitchcock couldn't do at the time due to lack of technology. We see modern day Phoenix, Arizona, well 1998's Phoenix, Arizona anyway, as the camera pans in on a hotel room and Marion Crane, played by Anne Hirsch, and her boyfriend Sam Loomis, played by Viggo Morgerson. Except this time, she isn't in a white bra, but she is in red, because after all, she is adulterous as he is still married. Everything is just the same, but somehow off, and that's my main problem with this movie, folks, is something is just not quite right. 
Maybe it's because Hesh has none of it, or maybe I just do not believe the relationship. Hmm. One thing I do approve of is that Vigo being naked for this scene, as he seems much more comfortable in his skin as the prissy John Gavin. Spot Gus Van Sant in a Hitchcockian-esque cameo getting told off by a fat Hitchcock lookalike. Because that's funny, right? No, folks, that's just fucking lame. Moving on. Also spot Rita Wilson playing Caroline, famously played by Hitchcock's daughter Pat in the original. Now, this is where the movie veers off course in the 1960s. It was $40,000 in cash, a large summit of cash back at the time. But in this, it's $400,000 in cash, a huge sum of money. Which is why it asked me straight off why this guy is carrying around almost half a million dollars in cold, hard cash. Couldn't have been 40000 and that was a down payment instead of 400000 Well, I guess Gus wanted to have this thing copied every little last detail. Even though $400,000 is a ridiculous amount of money. But moving on. Oh, and spot Clint Howard's dad and Bryce Dallas Howard's grandfather, Rance Howard as Marion's boss. So much like the original, Marion fakes a headache and steals the money to make her make-believe life a reality with her boyfriend. Much like the original, we see Marion at her home in her bra, but this time it's green and not black. Guess it's green because she's now in the money. Notice the buttons on her dress actually match the shower curtain in the room number one of the cat, the Bates Motel foreshadowing folks, very subtle. So, we see her driving off out of town, hearing the voice of Sam, much like we do in the original, again getting spotted by her boss while doing so, except Van Sant forgot the Christmas decorations, as this is supposed to be the 9th of December. So, just like the original, Marion is awakened early on a Saturday morning by a highway cop, except Hesh doesn't play it as subtly as Janet Lee does and just screams she has done something very wrong. Notice her license plate says ANL 709 in the dirty bitch. If that was an original, I'm shocked Hitchcock would be so crude. The music plays again. It's the cycle theme, but off just by a beat or two. As this one is slightly faster, like everything else in this bloody movie, it is just off. As she drives off, we see the cop following her spot the poster for Heshi's movie Six Days and Seven Nights on a bus stop as she drives into the news car lot. She buys a newspaper. I'm guessing to find out if such a large sum of money of half a million dollars has been missing has been reported and flirts badly with the news car salesman. Buys the car and then drives off with more voices in her head. So, five movies and five rainstorms as she gets lost on a highway and pulls up into the Bates Motel. Notice the Bates Motel says newly renovated on it, this time in colour. Teehee. While checking to see if someone is in the office, I say why not just take one of the keys to cabin 12, park the car in the rear, sleep there for the night, and then continue on your merry way as I would be none of the wiser. After all, you just did steal half a million dollars, so why the fuck not? Anyway, we see someone in the upstairs bedroom as Marion honks the horn as Norman, played awkwardly by Vince Vaughn, comes down a running from the house. After flirting with Marion, he books her into cabin one. 
even though he doesn't charge her a single penny for this thing. So we see him shyly showing her around the room, the tiny room that is. Norman goes off to get the supper of milk and sandwiches, leaving Marion to impishly go around the room trying to hide the $400,000. Coming back from a fight overheard by Marion in her room, my god that guy's got sunset lungs on him, with the supper in hand, he nervously gets her to eat it back in his little parlour. And here comes the infamous lines, we all got a little mad sometimes, and a boy's best friend is his mother. Terribly delivered by Vince Vaughn. He has none of the nervous charm of Perkins and just comes across as creepy with his crazy eyes and nervous tics. Much like the rest of this movie, it may be line for line and shot for shot, but this movie is just off. After a really awkward conversation, where if it were me, I would repack my bags and drive off into the night after all the rain had stopped and she was only a mere 50 miles from town. Marion takes her fatal shower as Norman spies on her masturbating while doing so, something that was not in the original. I suppose Gus added this piece of information to show that Norman was not gay as he gets off to a woman. And I've got to mention the new look house gone as a plantation look and here is a weirdly angled modern styled house. Yes, the interior stays the same because this was filmed on the cycle house before it was torn down in 1998. Off Norman runs up to the house as Maureen does her quick sum of how much money she has used and how much money she has to replace. Then takes her shower just as quote mother comes in with the blonde wig and pink dressing gown. What the actual fuck? Then Van Sant adds all this weird shit of rain clouds and thunder clouds and CGI slash winds and all this thing is terribly fucking inserted. You know of all the movies that's copied this famous cycle shower scene this one is hands down the worst. What the fuck was he thinking doing this garbage? Anyway, moving on. The karma swirls with the blood down the drain and it transforms into Heshi's eye, which according to the director's commentary and her, this was done in one take. And this isn't a body double unlike Hitchcock, who used a stripper. Vaughn terribly overacts discovering the dead body and then goes into cleanup mode just instantly. What I don't get is if Gus Van Sant wanted to redo the movie, yet change stupid little things, why isn't Norman fat and short? And also, why isn't Marion's head cut off and not being stabbed to death in a shower? Come on, if you're going to redo Psycho, redo it from the book then, you fucking moron. In this ridiculously bright, white, super clean bathroom, he manages to clean off the blood, which was splattered and splashed everywhere, only using a dry mop with no chemicals far too easily for my liking. Then he wraps up the body in a shower curtain and drives her off to the swamp, which by the way, her car is a Volvo, not a Caddy. Come on, get little details like that right, you twat. Even in Halloween H2O, it had Janet Lee driving a baby blue 1958 Caddy, you fucking useless hack. So he sinks the car into the swamp, which sinks far too fast for my easy for my liking, far too fast and easily for my liking even, as he snacks on candy. Days later, we see Sam writing Marion a love letter, and it's here we meet Lila Crane, played by Julianne Moore, in some terrible late 80s clothes, but listening to a CD Walkman. Yes, folks, because that's how you know this is the 90s, 
as she is listening to a bright yellow CD Walkman. Oh, and for my younger listeners, a CD Walkman is... Ah, fuck it, I should have died, or even Google it. Anyway, she is all fire and brimstone. Just then, in walks Abergast, played by William H. Macy, the P.I., the rich crooked douchebag, hired to find Marion and the money, also to shadow Lila. Again, much like the original, we see Abergast in a montage looking around all the hotels and motels in the area until he finally comes to the Bates Motel, with Norman sitting eating candy while reading a book on birds. So while Abergast quizzes Norman about Marion, he nervously chews down his candy and acts suspicious and stutters around, mumbling badly, doing a really bad impressions of Perkins. Again, this movie may be line for line, but it's just off. Norman gets mad at Abergast when he asks about if his mother had spoken to Marion. So much so, he calls Lila and Sam, telling him about the Bates Motel, even what room he thinks she's in, and then goes back to the house to check it out, much later that night. It's here he meets his downfall, as, quote, mother slashes him across the face, as he falls to his death before getting finished off with a few stabs to the chest. William H. Macy wanted to make the fog look more realistic, however, Van Sant wanted it to be kept the same, however, adding weird shots, such as a naked blonde, a sheep, and then some badly CGI blur. Why add this, you fucking hack? Why? One other thing I've noticed is Viggo Morgensen's Sam looking at Judy Garland records, a nod to John, John Gavin being gay. Hmm. Anyway, moving on, hours later, Sam and Lila go back to the Bates Motel after Lila strong arms Sam into doing it. However, he goes off himself, leaving her steaming at his sexist comments. As Norman sinks up Gassy's car into the swamp, just as Sam shows up at the hotel. With Sam returning to the store, which now has a small bedroom, which Richard did not have, uh, they go to the sheriff and tell him the tale. So he calls Bates, who of course lies. Hanging up, Norman moves Mrs. Bates' body down to the fruit cellar, with her arguing with him all the way. The person they got to play Mother's voice is just wrong. Yet again, maybe this may be shot for shot, but it is somehow just off. It then shows Sam and Lila driving to the hotel to check the place out, cutting out the parts with the sheriff and them outside a church the next morning on a Sunday service. The two sign into a room as Lila unsubtly flirts with Norman and Sam presses him about a few things such as getting a receipt. In room number 10, they come up with a plan to check out room number 1, which they do finding a scrap of paper stuck on a toilet seat which Norman somehow missed. With that, they come up with another plan to check out the house and talk to Mrs. Bates. So Lila sneaks into the back door of the house as Sam keeps Norman busy. Lila checks out Mrs. Bates' bedroom, which looks totally different from any of the second movies, let alone the bloody original. And in fact, the only thing they got right was the Hans jewelry box and the imprinted bed, which I never even got to this day. Hmm. She texts out Norman's bedroom while in there she finds a Penthouse also is subtle little boy's laughter playing under the music. Which is supposed to add what suspense, I'm guessing? Mm. Well, she's checking out the place. Sam grills Norman about the motel and his mother. Until he gets hit over the head for a golf club, not a candy tit this time. So Norman runs off 
up to the house, forcing Lila to hide in a fruit cellar, where she finds, quote, mother's body in a completely different looking cellar, with, quote, mother looking at live birds. What? I mean, what? This thing looks like bloody Buffalo Bill's basement. Oh my god, this is a bloody mess. Anyway, moving on. So, Lila turns the chair and shows the corpse mother with a spider crawling over its face. Oh yeah, because he really kept his mother's body in great revere there and pristine condition. Just then, Norman shows up wearing a blonde wig and a silk dressing gown and I about fall off my chair with laughter. This is fucking pathetic. Moving on. So of course, this being the 90s, Lila gets a boot in as Sam nuisancely fights with Norman on the floor. At the police station, the shrink explains everything. And by the way, spot Scrubsy's Ken Jenkins as the DA. I just noticed Gus cut the whole transvestic part out. I'm guessing he didn't want to confuse the folks about how Norm is not gay in this one. But he's just a guy who dressed up as his mother. Hello, that's still fucking transvesticism, you twat. Oh dear God. A cop gives Norman slash Mrs. Bates a blanket and she gives her final montage about how she should have put him in an institute a long time ago and should put him away because there was something wrong about that boy. They have Marion's car pulled out of the swamp as credits roll. So that was Gus Van Sant's shot for shot almost remake of Hitchcock's greatest movie, Psycho. A truly awful remake. In fact, this may knock Rob Zombie's Halloween off its perch. This movie is awful. Even with the original script, it's just off. The casting is off, with Anne Hesch playing Marion as a thieving, lying slut, and not an opportunist, as Janet Lee did. Also, Vince Vaughn playing Norman as a bug nuts psychopath from frame one, whereas Anthony Perkins played him as a mama's boy just doing his best by mother. The elements added by Van Sant do not work and are not needed. No, just mother. Fucking no! One out of ten. It is at one tenth of a movie that Hitchcock made. Avoid at all costs. It is a stinker and I can see why this only made one million dollar profit. Truly and utterly fucking awful. Anyway, moving on. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me movie suggestions. Also, what you thought of my reviews to here's Johnny's reviews at gmail.com. Come back next week for Rocktober, which I look at Alice Cooper and other rock icon movies, with movies such as Monster Dog, Suck, Trick or Treat, and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Then November is Nostalgia November, where I look at V for Vendetta, Donnie Darko, S Darko, and A Night Before Christmas. December is Festive Fights, where I look at Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Button Returns, and A Lethal Weapon. Anyway, a bye.